Hello and welcome to the Console Kingdom. My name is Jared. And I am Dan. And we are here with you on this wonderful afternoon, evening, or morning, whenever you decide to listen. And we have got a great episode for you, Dan. I have been talking to you about this for a little bit. We've been talking about sharing some of our memories from the past uh, about video games and things like that. You know, I'm really excited for this episode. Um, it's actually really exciting for me because I've had such great memories throughout the years. Being a retro gamer, I guess, is what you would call myself now because uh, I grew up on the Nintendo. Um, you grew up on Nintendo as well, did you not? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's so many great games that were on the Nintendo, from Nintendo Hard to Nintendo Normal, um, and just such great times that were had uh, from all ends of the spectrum in gaming during that era. I felt it really important to kind of share a little background from our lives with our listeners to just kind of get them a piece of ourselves of who we are and where we come from, you know? Yeah, man, definitely. So I kind of wanted to ask you, um, what was your first memory when it comes to gaming? Like, what was the first game you ever played? I think the earliest video game memory that I have, believe it or not, is a computer game. Okay. So I don't think we had, you know, I'm trying to remember what came first. I don't know if the Nintendo came first or the computer game came first, but I remember when I was a kid, uh, we had a computer in the house, which I think at that time wasn't all that common. Uh, And we had a game that I later on, you know, was trying to remember and find out what it was. It was called Spiderbot. Okay. And it was, uh, you know, a DOS game, and you walk around this little robot, and, like, as you get, you know, farther and deeper into the game, you collect parts to upgrade your Spiderbot. And by the end of the game, you're shooting webs and you're climbing on walls. And I think that's the first game I ever played, I think. Uh, but I could be getting that a little fuzzy because I do remember vaguely, and this is a very fuzzy memory for me, I do remember one night my dad coming home with a Nintendo and I had no idea what a Nintendo was at that point. I was like five or six maybe because I'm okay. trying to think when the, when the NES first sort of appeared. Um, I know it was in a test market in New York City around 85. So I think it was a little after that because I think I was older than, 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 than uh, five at the time. So yeah, he brought this thing home. I had no idea what it was. Brought it home from my, my oldest sister, who who connected it to the little pink television in her bedroom. It's about a like a nine-inch screen, a little pink television. And um, had like did, had, it didn't have, you know, dials, but it had like a row of buttons on the top. And each button on top of the TV was a channel. And it just had like the 12 channels. <laughs> okay. And um, And we played... Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt on that. So I don't know if Spider-Bot came first. I already had some experience with video games, but I do remember uh, my dad bringing the Nintendo home and what a big deal that was and what a big deal that became, you know, shortly thereafter where everybody was playing Nintendo. 
Yeah, I uh, likewise in your situation, about the same situation as, as what you had. I had a Nintendo myself, and my first game that I ever played was Super Mario Brothers. Um, and I remember just dying all the time. And one of my favorite memories I have from that game was finally beating the game and getting some ridiculous score that was insane. And then I had to call up my cousin and brag about it, you know. It was like, oh, here's this six-year-old kid who just beat your high score, <laughs> you know. He was kind of mad, but it was still it was still great. It was great. Yeah, I mean, within a few years, within like a couple of years of that, I mean, we had a Nintendo in every bedroom, you know. we had There was one in my sister's room, and then I shared a room with my other sister. We had a Nintendo in there, and then later on we moved, and I had my own room, and I had a Nintendo in there. Uh, you know, so there was always a Nintendo for, for quite some time. And uh, I think by that time, I mean, that was kind of like Nintendo mania was sweeping the nation. And for any listeners who weren't around back then or don't remember, uh, it went from like video games didn't exist in the U.S. hardly to everybody had a Nintendo. And that's what everybody was was playing. All the kids talked about Nintendo games at school. Uh, you know, I sat there waiting to get home to play my Nintendo. It was all the rage we had Nintendo cereal, Nintendo cartoons. Nintendo was running the world in the the mid to late 90s. Absolutely. See, I remember see watching TV and seeing some of the old commercials for like Tetris and Super Mario Brothers and things like that. And uh it, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. I remember in fact um there was a cereal promotion and I can't remember if it was Cheerios or I, I don't I don't remember which cereal it was but you bought the box of cereal and inside the box was printed the map from the Legend of Zelda so it showed where all the secrets were and everything like that so that was that was pretty awesome I remember that that's amazing that's amazing it wasn't long after that that Ralston came out with the uh you know, the Nintendo cereal system, which was Super Mario Brothers cereal on one side of the box, and then on the other side of the box was the Legend of Zelda cereal. I, I don't remember what they tasted like, but I do remember yeah. the box. <laughs> Big time nostalgia there, for sure. And I remember going to places like Funko Land. You remember Funko Land? And getting mm-hmm. getting games? That Fun was yeah. pre-game yeah, sure. stuff. Yeah, I think GameStop eventually grew out of Funko Land or acquired, I don't know, Funko Land, all the Funko Land locations around me eventually did become GameStops. So maybe there was an acquisition there. I don't really know the details of it. I can definitely tell you that uh, when it came to Nintendo, uh, I had a friend, well, my neighbor across the street, uh, I remember going over to the bus stop and I would go to his house, you know, real quick before we got on the bus and he'd be playing Mega Man 2 like before school. (laughs) <laughs> which to me was so weird because I couldn't I couldn't play video games in the morning before school. Like, I just couldn't do it because I wouldn't be able to pull myself away from it. Yeah, and speaking of, I mean, that's how I remember this story I got to share with you and our listeners. When I was a kid, I remember renting Mega Man 2 over a weekend or something like that, and it was due Monday something or other. Monday night, I would say. And... uh I remember getting up at like 
five in the morning on Monday before school and just playing that crap out of Mega Man and turning the volume way, way down to make sure I didn't wake up my parents. And unfortunately, my parents woke up anyway, and I got in trouble for that. But but I remember dreaming about it the night before, and it was like I woke up and I'm like, I don't even care what time it is. I have to go play this game. Yeah, I remember the, I rented the original Mega Man from the, you know, the, the local corner video store, and uh, whew, Gutsman's level still haunts my nightmares. With the platforms in the beginning. Oh yes, drop. the dropping platforms. Mega Man, I still, I, I still think Mega Man games are way too hard. The Iceman level was my downfall because sometimes it would glitch, and those platforms that you had to jump on over that endless bottomless pit, if you didn't have the magnet beam, um, you would jump straight through them and die. That was always fun. I think I think it was Mega Man Four, if I remember correctly. There was like a I don't know if it was like a glitch or it was like an intentional cheat. But if you like hold down, I forgot how to do it. You have to like hold A and B and then jump in a pit on purpose. And if you did that, then you would become invincible. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I found that out at my friend Sean's house. I had a friend, um, my friend Sean, who uh, we used to play Nintendo together and hang out together. He was, uh, you know, uh, my best friend when I was a little kid. And um, he's also the first person that ever told me about Mortal Kombat. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that so that was kind of special when one day I went over to the house and he's like, have you heard of this game, Mortal Kombat? And I was like, no, what's that? He's like, I was playing it at the bowling alley. And I was this guy called Ragin, and I shot lightning out of my hands. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And he's like, and there's blood. There's what now? now? <laughs> did you? Um, so, of course, you know. Did you, did you hear but, about the new Mortal Kombat music? No? No? It's based off of um, uh, Finland. Uh, it's based off some um, fin Finland music. It's called a uh, Finnish hymn. Oh, come on. You know you got that, Joe. A Finnish hymn. I got it. <laughs> uh... It's clever. It's clever. Yeah, all right. <laughs> anyway so all right we're one dad joking but um yeah man so of course then he like begged his dad to take us to the bowling alley so that i could i could experience mortal Kombat for the first time and see you know the game where you throw a rope at somebody and say come here and there's you know blood all over the place mm -hmm. punch you, you do the high punch and like 16 gallons of blood just come flying out of the guy's nose. See, I remember when I was a kid, we went to, on Black Friday with my aunt and my uncle, they were trying to get a good deal on some electronics or something, and we went to, um, at the time, I think it was either Circuit City or Best Buy, I want to say it was probably Best Buy that we were at. And they were trying to get a computer or something. I can't remember what they were trying to get. But I remember one of my first experiences with Killer Instinct was uh, was there. <clears throat> and uh, I remember playing Killer Instinct while I waited for them to do their thing. Because, you know, they and back then they had those demo games that you could play. Yeah. And your neck hurt afterwards because you're, like, wrenching at your neck back because you had to see the TV. <laughs> 
I remember looking up the TV in, in Walmart to play those games. They do have Nintendo Switch demos in Walmart. It's not the same. It's not the same as, as having to look up at the screen that's basically on the ceiling at the top of the at the top of the game case. Killer Instinct was cool, though. I really liked that one. I played that a lot back in the day. And then, of course, I played against my friend Billy's brother, Kevin, and uh, never wanted to play again because that kid was insane. Uh, my friend Billy's brother, Kevin, like, I was, I was a mega Super Nintendo freak by that point in middle school. And um, I couldn't even, like, I couldn't win one round against this kid in Killer Instinct. Like, what he would do is he would go to the video store on, you know, Friday rent a game, and then play it seriously all weekend. I don't even know if he slept. And uh, by the end of the weekend, by the by the time the weekend was over, you know, whatever they had rented, whatever he was playing, he would have, he would have finished it. He would have completed it. He, he was a, a video game like savant. <laughs> it, was out of, it was out of this world. I remember going over there and playing Saturday Night Slam Masters a lot. That was a really popular one for us and Super Punch-Out!! Mm-hmm. Which I still play, which I still is still a fantastic game. Mike Tyson's Punch Out on the NES is still one of my favorite games of all time. It's a fantastic game. It's tremendous. Um, but uh, the the big memory I have of of going to Billy's house was uh, we'd play uh, Mario Paint. Do you remember Mario Paint at all? I do. It was kind of hard to do anything really good in there. Like there was a whole Nintendo power feature and it showed some amazing things like this incredibly detailed drawing of Link where they use the animation tool to make a hand like throw magic at the shield and then have it like explode. That was really impossible to actually do. I don't know how they did that. But what we did is we used the stamper tool. Do you remember the stamper tool in Mario Paint where it was like Mario's body was one stamp and his head was another one? Yeah. So we would, yep, we, we would take yep. the stamper tool and then we would like use the other tools to recolor them. And we took the Mortal Kombat characters. We turned them into Mario Kombat. Nice. So we had like, you know, like Lou, E.G. Most of them weren't that clever, though. It was like Morpian, you know, sub Mario. But you get the idea. Mm hmm. So that was fun. And we would make little animations where they, you know, do fatalities and, you know, Mario knocking Luigi's head off. But he was, you know, Luigi with a with a headband and <laughs> turning into a dragon. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, man, oh, I had a buddy of mine. His name was Mike. And uh, I'd go over to his place and we'd play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, religiously. All the time, from the first game to the arcade game to the Manhattan Project, it was, you know, we'd be playing those games all the time, because he had a Nintendo just like yeah. I did, and I'd bring over my Turtles games, and he'd have his Turtles games, and we'd just, oh my gosh, we'd, we'd beat them, and then we'd, we'd play the next one, we'd beat it. It was just one of those things, and then that was actually my first experience with Final Fight. Um, but not in the sense of Final Fight. You see, Nintendo, they made a NES version mm-hmm. of Final mm-hmm. Fight called Mighty Final Fight. Yeah, fun game. And uh, I remember playing that a lot by his place, too. That was awesome. I remember, like, my mind was completely blown when my neighbor Jason, when I was uh, a kid, he could beat Ninja Turtles, and I couldn't. I could never get past the dam like most of us couldn't. Most of us couldn't get past the dam. 
Um, of course, now, you know, you mentioned the dam and everyone's like, ah, psh, easy, I beat that in my sleep. But back then, no, you didn't. And uh, I have a sad memory with Ninja Turtles too, but I'll tell you that in a minute. But um, yeah, so he finished the whole game on, on like a Saturday morning. I just like hung out and watched him play and watched him finish the game. And I was just blown away. My mind was completely blown. I just couldn't get my head around it. Yeah, that's still one of those games to this day that I've gotten so close to beating and then can't it's such a, it's such because a I'll get out game over. It's such a cheap game, though. It's it's not a fair game. It's really not <laughs> like it's it's Nintendo hard in the wrong way. It's like it's not it's not right. hard because it's like legitimately challenging. It's hard because they put like way too much shit on the screen and then make you have to do jumps that make no sense to get past half of it. It's it's not it's not a well-designed game, like, by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, I think my, my biggest, like, NES memories, though, really were, were Deadly Towers was a big one. And that game gets a really bad rep, um, but I think it's actually a pretty good game. Have you ever played Deadly Towers on, on the NES? I did not. That was not one that I was familiar with. People don't like it because there's a bunch of invisible entrances to the dungeon and the dungeon is like very difficult to get out of. So you'll accidentally get into the dungeon and then uh, to get out of it, you have to find the exit and the exit is usually very, very far away (laughs) from where the entrance is. Uh, And sometimes it's actually very, very close, but you don't know which door is the exit. So you you could be lost in one of these dungeons for for an entire day, like with no problem at all, and uh, and never get out of it. And that's what happened to most people playing the game, which is why most of them didn't like it. But if you know where those dungeons are, and you know how to avoid getting put in one when you don't want to be in one, and if you have a map of the dungeon, then the game becomes a lot easier. You can just stay out of the dungeons entirely, um, and 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 complete the game. Uh, and another one. Uh, and I think because my sister, who was the first person to get the NES, was really into uh, like D&D at the time, uh, Wizards and Warriors was the other one that we played a lot of. Okay. That one we played a lot of in my house. Yeah. I remember playing that on like a Friday night, you know, and then like stop playing to watch Full House, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was a good one too, man. That was, that was another, another really, another hard game. And it's, a, it's one of those games that I think a lot of people don't really necessarily have very fond memories of. Just because it was like it was a reasonably popular game, but it wasn't like a massively popular game. So I don't think a lot of people have, have played it or have good memories. I know like two and three people seem to really have good memories with. I don't really like two or three, but the original, the original I enjoyed quite a bit. It had great music, absolutely amazing music. Yeah, I was just thinking about the music. But uh, speaking of the music too, the the Deadly Towers music used to scare the ever loving hell out of me when I was a kid. It had if you if you waited at the title screen in Deadly Towers, there was this eight bit bell. It was like bum, okay. bum, 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 bum. and that for some reason scared me to death when I was a kid. Um, and then like and well, then I mean, like the main thing that played behind it was like a really spooky, creepy sort of a tune. Yeah, that that absolutely terrified me as a child. I would hide. <laughs> My sister would play it. Uh, you know, I mean, but you got to think of it like this, too. I mean, you go to the arcade and you had Sinistar mm-hmm. and people were afraid of Sinistar. <laughs> yeah, there was also, um, you know, it was uh, what's it? What's like a Satan's Hollow was another arcade game that was uh, a little bit scary because it's called Satan's Hollow. 
It's like you're playing, you know, a devil yeah. game. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember Maniac Mansion? Yeah, I remember, I remember that one. That was that was like a point and click DOS game that they ported to, to the NES. Yeah. Oh, so good, so good. Uh, you know, and we were talking. <laughs> Give the tentacle a Pepsi. Yeah, yeah, that's what I remember. I remember I never I never played that until I was older, but I remember reading the feature in Nintendo Power because I religiously was subscribed to Nintendo Power. I wish I still had all those Nintendo Powers, man. They go they go for a mint on eBay nowadays. I had like the first oh, sure. I had like the first two years of Nintendo Power. I had a subscription from day one. I don't know how that came to be. I think it was like I think when they were promoting the the magazine early in its life. They were giving out, you know, a lot of like uh, subscriptions, and I think we had we were one of the first households to subscribe to Nintendo Power Magazine, and I had the first like twenty four issues. Uh, I actually purchased a copy of the Final Fantasy Strategy Guide from the Nintendo Power uh, on eBay a couple of years ago because I wanted to have it again, and I was looking, I was like, can I get these again? But they're they're very expensive. All those Nintendo Powers, and and Nintendo Power was great, man. I used to bring it to school oh, yeah. at lunchtime. I loved Nintendo Power. I did not subscribe to it, but I had the Mario 3 one. I remember the first the, the strategy guide for Mario 3. I remember the first issue, man. We had that sitting in our in our in our living room in our, our living room table for a long time with the Claymation Mario 2 on the cover. That that's like that's like a couple hundred bucks now I think on eBay. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that was serious business. And, like, the Game Boy came out right around the same time that that came out. I know you mentioned um, Tetris before. The Game Boy, man, whew, you could not get that Game Boy away from my dad once he started playing Tetris. And my dad was not a gamer. My dad never played video games. The only times I ever saw that man play video games were when we had Tetris on the Game Boy. And when we had, um, at his office, my dad used to run a taxi company in their shop for a little while they had two arcade cabinets it was mario brothers and centipede and i think i don't think he had them for very long i think he got rid of them yeah you know with that before he had them for too long so i remember playing them like once or twice and then they were gone so i don't know if it was like you know maybe maybe the guys in the shop were playing them too much not not getting work done i don't know <laughs> right but yeah apart from, but that's sometimes i ever saw my dad play video games Oh, speaking of arcade games, um, do you remember? Well, I don't know if you had anywhere where, where you lived. So over here where I live, we have a ferry, a ferry that goes across. There's two ferries that you can get on over here. One goes from Port Jefferson to um, Bridgeport, Connecticut. And the other one goes from Greenpoint to uh, Mystic. Um, I don't think it lands in Mystic, but it lands like somewhere around. It lands like, you know, Mystic Seaport. So, um, I remember, I don't remember exactly what we did or where we were going. I don't know, but I remember we took the ferry somewhere (laughs) and on the ferry, they had like a full arcade. They had like multiple arcade games on the ferry. That was cool. Nice. That was very cool. Yeah. We had malls, you know, we had the arcades at the mall. Yeah. There was timeout at the Smithhaven mall. There's an arcade actually in the mall here now at Smithhaven mall. Uh, there's a, there's a, an arcade. Um, it was started by the same guy who has a couple of game stores. And I think they're actually called game on. Uh, it's a couple of video game stores, like used video game stores out here. And he started this 
arcade and it's kind of cool so they have you know all like original genuine arcade machines they have like teenage mutant ninja turtles and x-men and older stuff too they have a tapper machine uh they have a bunch of play choice uh, play choice 10 machines they've got older pinball games a lot of great stuff in there and um it's like it's a pay one price and you play all day i think it's like 30 bucks for an adult and 20 bucks for a kid or something like that so it's a little expensive but you can play as much as you want and all the cabinets are turned on to free play mode so you go in you play as much as you want you can go out like go shopping have lunch come back and play again later uh you can play all day off of that 20 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever so that's pretty cool that that's there you know it's a nice it's a nice throwback yeah that's actually pretty cool for me that's actually a pretty good deal, really, considering, you know, you, you got a flat rate and then it's free play for basically the whole day. I mean, if you go to, like, Dave and Buster's or whatever, you'll spend 100 bucks, no problem, so. Oh, easily. We go to, uh, there's a place near us called, uh, well, that's actually a chain, so you may have seen them. You ever seen Round One? Yes, I've heard of them. Round One is really cool, and there's one out here that um I, we've gone on a couple of date nights there and i mean they have everything they have games they have bowling they have like japanese games japanese crane games which are insane like the game the japanese crane game will be like pick up this this ping pong ball and you have to drop the ping pong ball like with the crane arm and then you get a prize forget it it's ridiculous uh but those places are amazing but yeah you'll spend hundreds of dollars there you'll drop so much money it's not even a problem uh, so yeah, twenty bucks, thirty bucks a person to play video games all day is not a bad deal, especially because you can leave and come back. You know, you can make a day of it. Pretty cool. Exactly. I mean, I wish they had that when I was growing yeah. up. Um, I remember that they had that promotion at the mall by me, by where I grew up. Um, when I was a teenager it was a place called kahunaville um and it was it was kind of like a hawaiian themed restaurant like kind of a tropical island themed restaurant it was really cool that's kind of funny actually and uh on one side because they had two sides of the mall on the one side was was the restaurant and on the other side was the arcade and um they had pinball and, and arcade games. They would turn all that onto free play except for the ticket mm-hmm. games. And you'd pay a flat rate and then you'd play as much as you wanted. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that it had like the, the Kahuna theme because there's a place near, uh, there's a place that we've been to called, uh, I think it's like Tiki Golf or something. It's like a mini golf place, but they have a Tiki theme and it's also an arcade which was a really interesting place to go to recently because every place now has like, you know, cards you swipe. This place actually had all machines that were still taking tokens. Like oh, it was kind of, it was man. cool, but also it felt kind of janky because it wasn't like, Oh, we're doing this for nostalgia's sake. It was more like, Oh, we're doing this because the owner hasn't bothered to update anything in 25 years. <laughs> gotcha. But still, I mean, that that's one of the biggest things that I miss is those token action games, like where you go into an arcade and you'd play something like Wonder Wheel, mm-hmm. or um, oh I can't remember what it's called, but you know you put the token in to go down and shoot, and then you could get a certain amount of tickets if you got it here or here. I miss those games. Oh a yeah, lot. those gambling games. They still have those at like Chuck E. Cheese and stuff, man. We we definitely played. 
uh, except you, know, you swipe your card now and then it gives you a few tick a few tokens to, to pop in the machine to play but uh, yeah we definitely spend too much money on those when we go into arcades yes you know the ones that push the tokens to the edge and you try to like get as many tokens over the edge as you can yeah, coin pushers. Yeah, coin pushers. We are we are addicted to coin pushers. It's bad. Like we'll sit there and just drop like twenty tokens into those things. But that's all. Oh yeah, for sure. But that's all. That's that's all besides the point. But uh, getting back to arcades, man. We had a. Do you remember? You might not remember this. I don't know if anyone does because it's like it's such a. It's, it's gone. Like it's completely gone from the world. But do you happen to remember that there used to be Nathan's restaurants, like Nathan's fast food restaurants? No. Yeah, it was Nathan's Hot Dogs, but it was like a fast food place. That might that might be like a Northeast thing too, because I know Nathan's was a New York brand. But um, we had a Nathan's where it was, you know, a, a restaurant in the front. But it, yeah, fast food. Obviously, you could get crinkle fries, and uh, the crinkle fries were really good. I still remember those. There's some good crinkle fries, and you get burgers and hot dogs and stuff like that. Obviously, the hot dogs were the flagship menu item, right? But in the back, they had the game room. And that was like that was my arcade. That was my go-to arcade growing up. That place was was amazing. And then you know, with the years, they grew and they had some of the Neo Geo cabinets that had the multiple games and then the MVS cabinets, which I love and I want one so bad. And um, pinball games, a lot of stern tables like with uh, Terminator Two and stuff like that, and Adam's Family, all those amazing pinball games. And what was really cool and really weird about that is that when the Nathan's restaurant closed, the game room actually stayed open for a couple of years, which is kind of surprising. Okay. Uh, I think that building is like a Zwanger Passeri now. It's like a radiology place. I feel like if anyone listens to this, they're going to like listen to the things I'm saying right now and figure out where I live <laughs> like very easily. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, that, that was it. And, uh, you know, I mean, there we we had a few great arcade places. Did you guys? Uh, you now I know I know right now you live in Michigan. Did you grow? But you grew up somewhere else, right? Didn't you grow up in Georgia or something like that? No, I grew up in Michigan. Um, I did move to Alabama, Alabama for a year, but then I I yeah, but then I uh, I moved back to Michigan. Um, so yeah, I am I am originally from Michigan, the Midwest area, and so yeah, for for us, we really never had Nathan's. Yeah. <laughs> by us um we have some of their products now yeah, in our the grocery hot stores like the, deal. the hot dogs and the pickles yeah. and stuff but other than that but we had a place called the pizza ranch and um man that place was awesome they had this arcade room and they had such great pizza and then you could go and you could play the games that they had in there sometimes they'd have pinball <laughs> but they had the uh the one racing game where you sat down and it was it was the main racing game that everyone had it had a low high shift lever and you were driving a formula one car around a track <laughs> and uh they had that they had turtles they had x-men they had such good but uh as far as i know to this day they're still open that's cool um, they don't have the arcade anymore, but they they do have the the pizza ranch is still around. Yeah, I was I was so. deeply disappointed the other the other a couple of weeks ago. I was in uh, I was in Connecticut. I was in Mystic, and uh, there's this uh, beer garden that we went to, and I'm like, oh, you know, this is 
great beer garden and it had a, a little door it said game room above the door and I was like ooh that's exciting and I went in there and there was like one Ms. Pac-Man slash Galaga machine one crane game that did not work and a black knight pinball table and that was their game room we had fun on the pinball table though that was fun it's a good table Oh, I don't know if you if you are aware of this, Jared. There's um, Pinball FX3 on Steam. I I love that thing, man. They okay. have a bunch of the old. Um, they don't have the stern tables. They have the other the other. I think the Midway or Bally tables. Is it Bally? I don't remember. They have a lot of those tables, and then uh, there's a bunch of like you know virtual tables that they created for the Pinball FX game. I mean, most of the tables are DLC. It only comes with a handful of tables, but they have like monster jam and they have creature from the black lagoon it's a it's it's really cool and uh yeah you should check that out if you like pinball we were in we were in virginia not that long ago and we were at this place uh the precarious brewing company and they have a whole row of pinball machines they had this iron maiden pinball machine so obviously I was very into that because I love Iron Maiden and I like pinball. And I've sat, I have I put in two bucks. So I had like, you know, six credits or whatever. Um, it started with, you know, a decent number of credits. And I kept on winning free games because I was getting pretty good at the pinball game. And like my food came and I had to like just I just walked away from it. And some kid got to play like two free games. <laughs> nice. So that was, yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty fun. That's always a good time. Did you guys have, did you have any like arcade spots when you were growing up? I I know you were talking about the pizza ranch, but did you have any like, any like arcade spots? Like I know Chuck E. Cheese obviously has always been around. Uh, Yeah. Like for example, we had uh, Spaceplex was a big one. I only ever went there once. I went to Spaceplex once for one of my birthdays. My my friend Sean with my my parents brought my friend Sean with me and we just played video games all day. They had like the dragon's lair laser disc game remember the dragon's lair laser disc game that's basically like an interactive movie and you've just pressed the sword button yep, at the right time yep. um which i actually played like a dvd of that game which is kind of cool like you can get a dvd that is that game but that i digress um and they had probably one of the coolest things i ever saw they had a uh, street fighter 2 champion edition machine that had chairs and like you could sit down in it Nice. We didn't play because the line was really long and we wanted to do other stuff, but it, that was that was a really cool thing to see. Uh, I, I can't even begin to talk about like how popular Street Fighter 2 was at the time. If you were around at the time, you know Street Fighter 2 was an absolute you know uh, phenomenon. It was. It was, as well as Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, we had Craig's Cruisers. And um, it was a place where you could get go-karts, and they had arcade, they had bumper boats, mini golf, that kind of stuff. And it's still around my area, Craig's Cruisers is. And um, But anyway, the the whole uh, Mortal Kombat, I remember they got a Mortal Kombat 3 machine in, and or was it 2? Either, either 2 or 3. And I remember the line being so long that it was just like you could pretty much walk on the go-karts and, and just go as much as you wanted because everybody was trying to play Mortal Kombat. 
Yeah, Mortal Kombat was also an absolute phenomenon. That stayed that way for quite some time. And then Mortal Kombat 4 came out and nobody wanted to play it. <laughs> right. But yeah, it, no, it was absolutely, absolutely mind-blowing for the first time to experience Mortal Kombat because that was a new thing at the time. We didn't have, like, games with blood and gore in them. No, that was, absolutely not. That I didn't mean, happen. Doom. You had Doom for PC in, what, 91, 92, something like that. And then you had uh, Duke Nukem. I think Doom was, like, 94. I think Doom was a little bit later. Okay. Okay, so maybe it was 94. Um, and you also had uh, Wolfenstein 3D as well from id Software. Right. So, so you had you had those games for PC, but it wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't one of those big phenomenons like uh, Mortal Kombat was. Would you say that Mortal Kombat changed the face of gaming in that in that sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was one of the Doom also was part of it too, though. It was one of the major driving factors be, be, be behind. Oh, I can't talk tonight. It was one of the major driving factors behind the ESRB coming into existence, because before then it was just kind of like you know, they just would sell games, and you know, no, nobody really thought too much of the content of the games. It was pretty much universally accepted that all games were for children, you know, full stop, um, which is why it was such an outrage when these games came out. You know, you had a game where you could tear someone's head off, and then you had another game where uh, you would shoot demons in the face with a shotgun, and then you had another game that looked like a real-life horror movie, and there's a scene where a girl gets snatched up in the bathroom while she's in her pajamas, and that was like... You know, a, a major scandal. Meanwhile, you know, Grand Theft Auto exists now, but back then it was, you know, th th this is for children. This is not acceptable. Not understanding that this was an entertainment medium that wasn't exclusively created and marketed for children. Um, and these were games that were aimed more at, like, you know, teens and young adults. The ultimate, uh, right. the ultimate decision being, look, if, if the government promises not to tell people they can't buy our stuff, we'll regulate ourselves. We'll put ratings on things so parents can completely ignore them and you know, we'll, 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 we'll police ourselves and our own activities. Uh, and I think, you know, for the most part, up until recently, last 10, 15 years maybe, uh, no one paid attention to those ratings, which is why you had completely no. inappropriate games being played by young kids but that's a whole other conversation <laughs> that's something we care about a lot more i think now as parents than we probably ever did back then like as, as kids or even as like single adults you know you, you don't think about it too much you're like oh whatever it's just a violent video game who cares but then you have kids and you're like yeah i don't want my kid playing that <laughs> right exactly it's funny how perspective changes as we age yeah like, I have all these, like, retro devices, and I have Mortal Kombat games on them and Doom and stuff, and I'm like, hmm, make sure my son doesn't touch this unless I'm watching him. <laughs> right. I remember, did you ever get a chance to play the Vectrex? No, I don't think so. It sounds it sounds familiar, but I don't think I ever got a chance to play. Oh, man, my uncle had one. It was basically like a giant uh, arcade cabinet, okay. but it was a computer... Um, I play Asteroids on it. Okay, lot. so for vector games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was really fun. I remember that. And then my buddy's dad had uh, oh, Tempest. I loved Tempest. And I remember playing... Oh, Tempest was such a great game. 
the little roller and you'd roll around one side or the other and you take out your enemies and oh Tempest is, that was Tempest a good is an game. excellent game but still, yeah those vector games man they don't make i mean obviously don't make games like that anymore but vector games were a lot of fun battlezone i think was another really really good one where you're you have the tank that you're driving around in and it was literally just like green lines on a screen but it gave like an illusion of 3d it was cool and I think um, Tempest made a big comeback when the Jaguar came out because they released a version of Tempest on the Jaguar, which was such a weird choice to try and like showcase the Jaguar. I don't know. Like, here, hey, we have the 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 world's first 64-bit uh, console. Here's like here's a vector game from 10 years ago. But right. I mean, what do I know? I mean, obviously they knew what they were doing because the Atari as a company went completely out of business shortly thereafter. So. What the hell do I know? <laughs> right, exactly. The company, the well, company, yeah, you know, the, the mean, company name Atari still exists, which is funny, but it's not. It has nothing to do with the original company. Like some other company bought bought all the trademarks and stuff. So it's not exactly. It's not, even, it's, not it's just it's not the same company like at all. There's no there's no piece of that company remaining anymore. Oh, you mean the company that caused the great video game crash of 1984? Yes, the company that uh, basically allowed the market to be flooded with poor quality games to such an astonishing degree that it completely tanked the whole industry. Yes. And then Nintendo went the extreme opposite. And basically, the reason why we're here having this conversation today and making this podcast, really, because if it weren't for Nintendo bringing out the NES and making pretty strict rules that prevented the market from being flooded with shovelware... There would never have been a, a Genesis or a PlayStation or any of that stuff. It would have just it would have, it would have been over. It would have been absolutely. I, I, I was going to tell you before I have a, a sad story about about uh, Ninja Turtles on the NES. My my Ninja Turtle game got stolen. What? It got stolen. Yeah, it got stolen on my desk at school because I was a dumb kid that brought his video games to school. I don't know why I did that. I don't remember like what the context was of why I brought the game into school. Because like, why would you bring a Nintendo game into school? So I don't know. Maybe I was trying to just show it off or something. I have no. Maybe it's like a show and tell. I don't know. But for some reason, I had it in school, and um, and then I went to recess and I came back and it was gone. And I know who took it. I know who took it. But you know. Yeah, true. I, I, I know which kid took it. I got a pretty good idea. Nothing I can do about it now. Right. Not the first time either right. that someone tried to steal my Ninja Turtle game. One time I brought it over to a friend's house and on the way home some random kid like tried to steal it from me. I had to like chase him down and get it back. <laughs> I had to chase this kid and get my game back. Wow. Yeah. So you said you had a rather sad story about Ninja Turtles. That was it. That was the sad story. Oh, man. Yeah. That is sad. It got stolen. I mean, now, you know, obviously I can play it as much as I want, but that was sad at the time. Definitely. Actually, I think that was was actually TMNT 2 that was stolen, I think. Pretty sure. Do you remember the feeling you got when you beat Final Fantasy for the first time? Yeah. And I think that's the first game that I ever beat. But yeah, that was that was that was quite a feeling of accomplishment because you work you work really hard. Um, I mean, nowadays after having played so many RPGs that were that are so long, it probably doesn't seem like much. The game's like you could finish that game in about like less than twenty hours. But um, it was a chore. 
and to get to the end and defeat chaos and actually see those credits roll yeah that felt like that felt like an accomplishment especially since we defeated you had to defeat the boss of the nintendo randomly glitching out on you and giving you the blinking blue screen every once in a while oh yeah absolutely and you know i felt the same way when i beat ninja gaiden the first time when i beat that demon statue and, and beat that three boss gauntlet oh my gosh my heart was racing i thought it was going to pound out of my chest i beat ninja gaiden for the first time in like 2019 <laughs> I was eight, I think. I was 38. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it was one of the games that I had, and it was one of those things where I was getting frustrated and frustrated and frustrated because of that glitch, where if you die at the boss, you have to start over at 6-1. Mm-hmm. But, but then you go back to the boss, and you automatically start back at whatever boss you left off on. So I remember beating the, the first portion of it where you had to attack the gem and then I got very close to defeating Jaquil and uh, did not beat him and got really mad and frustrated but then I I said all right we're going to do this so then I went through again six one two three and then got to the bosses again and this time I had all my weapon charge yet and everything so I was able to beat him and then it was just the demon statue and as long as you took out the tail first then you could go after the heart and you know you want to go after the head too so if you got rid of the head and you got rid of the tail then the heart was just the last part and then you just had to dodge the fireballs that it was shooting at you. I'm trying to remember if I even beat Ninja Gaiden honestly or if I use save states I think I might have used some save states because I think I decided that the bug at the end of the game that sends you back to six one is unfair. <laughs> so I like so. Oh, absolutely. So, so I think I had a save state, you know, like right before the boss that I refreshed a few times before until I got the boss down. And thank goodness for emulation yeah. and save states. There are a lot of games I don't think I ever could have finished without them. Oh, absolutely. I don't think I ever beat Ghosts and Goblins no. uh, without save no. states. Because you got to beat it twice. You have to beat it twice, and it's hard. It's harder the second time. It's virtually impossible the first yep. time. Have you played that Ghost and Goblins Resurrection or Rebirth, whatever the hell it's called? I have. I have it for Switch. Yeah, yeah, that game is ridiculous. Like, that game is even harder than the old ones were. Yeah. I remember making it through a couple levels. You made it through a couple levels? You're like a glorious golden god. I made it through one. (laughs) And barely. I made it through, I had to put it on easy mode, and I got through one level. Two or three levels on easy, and I'm like... This is for the birds, man. It's, I mean, I am getting destroyed. There's such a thing as, as a game being too hard, and that, that game's too hard. That's that's a little bit ridiculous. Even if you want a game that's like old-school Nintendo hard, nah, man, that game that game is too hard. Not worth, not, not worth, it's not worth the aggravation, so I don't really play it anymore. Uh, oh, you know what? You know, it's a, you know, it's a pretty good, uh, I think it's a really good gaming story, though. Because uh, you made me think of this with Ghosts and Goblins, and obviously Super Ghosts and Goblins, which is a game that I, I got later on. But um, the way that my parents gave me the Super Nintendo is a is kind of a cool story. Because obviously, okay. I was a Nintendo kid through and through. By that point, uh, pretty much nothing I'd rather do at any given time than play Nintendo. And the only thing that I wanted in the world for Christmas of 1991, I think it was, was 
the Super Nintendo. That is the only thing that I wanted. Uh, maybe maybe it was maybe it was ninety two. Now that I'm thinking because I think in ninety one it wasn't out yet. I don't remember. But whatever that Christmas was, that it was released like shortly before, because I think it came out like September of that year or something like that. Uh, that's all I wanted in the world was the Super Nintendo. And uh, Christmas Christmas Eve night came, and we started this thing in my house. I think a lot of families do this. We started opening presents on Christmas Eve. And it was like we did this we did this one year where it was like, can we open one present? And then it became, you know, oh fine, just open them all. You know. Yeah, yep, that's kind of how my family rolled. So uh, so we opened all, all, all our presents up and uh, I I completely had forgotten about the Super Nintendo by the time we had opened everything up. because uh, you know, my parents uh, you know, they, they 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 were very good to us on on the on that Christmas I remember. Um uh, I think it was a you know good year for them or whatever. So, you know, I got a lot of cool stuff, a lot of toys. I was very happy with everything that I got. And um, like at the very end of, of the evening when everyone had opened all their stuff, everyone was playing with their, their new toys and whatnot, there was one more box under the tree, and it said to Bruce, that's my dad's name, from Santa. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. You know, dad got a present from Santa. That never happens. And... Uh, and my dad takes it because, you know what? I think you should have this one. And uh, I was like, you know, I was a kid. I was like nine or ten or whatever. I'm like, no, dad, this is obviously yours. You know, you should you should hold on to that. And he said, no, no, I really think you should have this one. <laughs> like, I was such a sweet, nice kid. I didn't realize what was happening. You know, I didn't realize it was like it, like right. intentionally doing, you know. So I'm like, okay, I guess. And then I opened it. And of course, it was the Super Nintendo. And, uh, you know, that made my life at that point absolutely and my mom was like you know are you surprised i was like yeah were you disappointed that you did that you, that you thought they thought it didn't get it and i was like honestly i kind of forgot <laughs> i kind of forgot about it but um that was a really great you know great way to do that that way they knew it was the last present i was going to open they knew it was the, the, the thing i wanted more than anything else in the world and um you know it didn't get overshadowed by anything else because it was the finale of of that christmas you know Right, most definitely. And then, of course, like five years later, I sold all my Super Nintendo games to buy a PlayStation. <laughs> right. Which, um, you know, I, I, I'm sad sometimes about that because I look now, like I looked the other day, because not only did I sell all my Super Nintendo games to buy a PlayStation when I was 15, but then like when I was in college, I sold all my PlayStation and PS2 games because um, I needed money for like books and stuff. Right. Um, so I sold all of that stuff. Um, and then I was looking like recently at my eBay cause I sold, I sold a video card. So I was looking at my eBay feedback and stuff and I was looking at some of the games that I sold and how much money I sold them for and how much they're going for now. <laughs> and I had games that I sold for like five bucks, 10 bucks, $3. And they're all going for like 25, 30, 40, 50 bucks now. It's, oh. And they're games that I and they're games that I would rather have. Like I, I actually went back and bought like the whole Final Fantasy series again because I, I wanted to have it. Um, but the, yeah, that this was like, I, I, it's depressing. Like Front Mission Three, I sold for five dollars. <laughs> you can't get that for less than like forty bucks now. <laughs> Legend of Legend oh, Legend man. of Dragoon, Legend of Lagaya, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross. Vagrant story. 
And then like there were all the games that I sold for my Super Nintendo that I that I wish I still had. I had I had Doom. I had Killer Instinct. I had I don't know. I ha obviously had Final Fantasy two and three, which I I I bought Final Fantasy two again. But I just bought just a loose cartridge because if you want the whole thing with the box and the manual, you're looking at like two hundred three hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. But hey, the PlayStation was the first console I ever bought with my own money. I was like sixteen. I was the first. Okay. Game console I ever bought with my own money. My own money that I got mostly by selling games that were purchased for me, but still, still. <laughs> I think the but I think the PS2 is the first play the first console I ever bought with money that I earned. So that was kind of kind of a different uh, different story. Yeah, I mean, but See, I mine was a PS2. Yeah. First console I ever bought was a PS2. Yeah, with money for me it was like that was the first one I bought with money that I earned. And the only reason I even bought it cuz really at that point in my life like I didn't I wasn't playing that much video games, believe it or not. Uh, you know, Final Fantasy 7 and uh, uh Symphony of the Night and you know, like RPGs. I was really just playing RPGs at that point. And um I, I held off until, and, but then once they announced Final Fantasy X, then I had to get a PlayStation 2 because I had to have Final Fantasy X. There was really no, there was really, right. really no getting around it. And I just remember being absolutely blown away by the, the massive gulf in improvement from the PS1 to the PS2. Like, it was night and day. I remember playing, like, uh, Devil May Cry, which I still, like, I don't even like that game that much. But I remember playing that game and just being in absolute awe of how, how that game looked. I mean, by today's standards, it looks like absolute garbage. But back then, that was nothing short of, of groundbreaking. It was incredible. My mind was completely blown. <laughs> Capcom did an incredible yeah. job there on that game. Uh, yeah. Making it look the way it yeah. did. And, I was, and, I, and, I, and let me tell you, I was broke, too, at that time. I, was, I, was, I did not have a lot of money, but I put the money away for the goddamn PlayStation 2 to play Final Fantasy X. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, like, for a while, I was really into anything that had, like, ninjas or samurai in it. And there's a lot of great games like that on PS2, like Tenchu and uh, Way of the Samurai. Those were great. And Do you remember the Bouncer? I remember the Bouncer. That was the first Square the first Square game that came out for the for the console. I didn't play it at the time. I didn't actually play that until, like, a couple years ago. Um, but that's a game that's hard to play now because if you play it in an emulator, it doesn't work properly. Uh, that that's one of the few games where it actually has like pressure sensitive buttons. Like you, like you gotcha. press it light, you get you know like a regular attack. You press it hard, you get like a power attack. But if you if you don't have like an actual DualShock Two controller, like that pressure sensitivity does not work. So like every button does like a like a spinning kick, a spin kick, you know. <laughs> so it's hard, actually really hard to play without without the original hardware. I actually do have a PlayStation Two here. I just don't have. Like a TV that I can hook it up to. So that kind of sucks. Yeah. So that kind of stinks, you know. For sure. Oh, and then I, and then I told but... the PS3 that it can kick rocks because I was about to spend six hundred bucks on a on a game console. Well, I, and I needed a computer for school anyway, so I, I went that way. <laughs> gotcha. But I want to thank you guys for joining us for today's episode. It was a good time reminiscing some of the past and just thinking about arcades and some of the things that we used to do. Dan, you got anything new with your new YouTube channel? 
Uh, I'm actually uh, taking a little bit of a lull right now because I have some stuff in the works, but nothing is uh, nothing is ready to go just yet. Um, I'm working on a big retrospective on the Tactics Ogre uh, Let Us Cling Together game. There's actually a, a updated remake version of that coming out soon. And I went back and I played the uh, Super Famicom, you know, uh, fan translation, and I really liked it at first. And then it got really tedious, really fast. And I decided I would check out the other versions of it. And uh, the PSP version is so radically different from the uh, Super Famicom and PlayStation versions. Um, so I'm, I'm playing that right now and uh, I'm, I'm debating whether I want to continue playing that. I definitely want to do a video just comparing the different versions and talking about the differences between them. Uh, largely because I was really impressed with how this game was essentially like a prequel to Final Fantasy Tactics. So I wanted to talk a lot about that. But um, that's a work in progress. I have a lot more playing to do to get... Uh, I don't know if I want to finish the game or not. I'm on, on the fence with that. But um, yeah. Uh, and I have a couple other things I want to do. I wanted to do a video about um, Final Fantasy VII Remake and the uh, character balancing in that game. So that's something, I wrote a script for that one already. Because what's impressive about Final Fantasy VII Remake is that they balance the different characters in a way that in the original Final Fantasy they didn't and couldn't. So that's something I wanted to discuss. And uh, yeah, apart from that, I have a few different topics that I'm kind of workshopping right now. Uh, not sure too much, you know, what I'm going to commit to and not, but I have a, a nice big long list of different stuff that I want to do, so... That's kind of where I'm at with the channel, but as of right now, nothing new coming out for a little while. Uh, I have some gameplay videos, some old gameplay videos that I'm going to publish uh, just to have something out there on the channel that, you know, if people want to watch it, they can. Uh, until I get that Tactics Ogre video squared away. Uh, probably nothing new for a little while yet. <laughs> right, right. So, yep, and... You know, I want to thank you for listening to us and following us on our social medias, Facebook.com slash The Council Kingdom, YouTube, The Council Kingdom Podcast. Yeah, let us know you're out there, guys. We want to hear from you. Let us know you're out there, what you think of the show. Uh, give us a, a review on uh, iTunes if, you, if you're listening on iTunes, whatever platform you're listening on, if you can give us a rating or a review. You know, and share the podcast. Let people know about it. Share it in your favorite social media groups and stuff like that. Help us get out there. Because, yeah, we're trying to build the audience, trying to grow the audience. And I'm sure there's lots of people out there who would be interested in hearing what we have to say. But we got to find that audience. And if you can help us out with that, that'll be appreciated. Much love and appreciation for sure. For sure. So my name is Jared. And I'm Dan. And you guys have a fantastic week and game on.